So Psalm 34, and um, I don't actually know what this has to do with the rest of the, the teaching, but let's see what, um, this was just something the Lord was ministering to me. Um, in verse uh, 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their distresses and troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit, who are contrite in heart and truly sorry for their sin. Many hardships and perplexing circumstances confront the righteous, but the Lord rescues him from them all. And, you know, that was the one really I, I felt the Lord speaking. Many are the afflictions. Another, another translation says afflictions. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from them all. And you see, if, when, because of the fact that um, when a person calls upon the name of Jesus, when they ask Jesus to come into their lives, okay, and to be Lord and, and, and obey his word and, and live for him, uh, he gives us that free gift of righteousness, of right standing with God, so we can be called the children of God. And so, therefore, we are the righteous that he's talking about here because we have been made righteous, not by anything we could do ourselves, but simply because Jesus paid the price for our righteousness with his blood. And yet, you know, uh, the enemy goes out of his way to pick off and to attack people who will stand on the word of God because he is trying to get you to, you know, derailed or get you to, to lose hope or lose heart or lose faith. And so, you know, many are the afflictions of the righteous. How many of you, how many of you have ever been through things that you, you, you just said, is this ever going to stop? Like, how many, you know, how many more things? And, and you see, that's, you know, you, there's, you're under attack and we have to understand uh, spiritual warfare in these days that we're living in right now we need to understand who we are in Christ and listen it doesn't matter uh, whether you've been in the word of God for a short time or for 40 years we need constant refreshment and uh, you know even this week I just uh, really for myself personally there was a, a few things that went on and and it really I'll tell you rocked me and and I had to really press in there um the last couple of days to even hold going like I was really thinking of ringing somebody and saying will you will you do the meeting Sunday I can't go but uh, you know that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do he wants you to give up mm -hmm. and he wants you to think uh, you know things are never going to work out or things are never going to change or who are you anyway you know and these are the things that he remember Jesus said he's a liar he's been a liar and a murderer from the beginning and he's out to murder you uh, you know, perhaps not physically, maybe you don't have a sickness or something like that, uh, even though he does attack people with those things, but he, he's out to murder maybe your character, murder your marriage or, your, or your, your business. He's out to cause some kind of death and failure. And during the week, I really saw this, that I just remembered when, uh, um, you know, when, when we were young and uh, St. Patrick's Day would come around and you'd get the badge 
or you know when you got old then you actually uh, you know you you came up to the level of being able to get shamrock but um and 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 the badge was pinned to you and I just felt this week, you know, from a number of people and, and different issues that, that came up, and, and with myself as well, is that the enemy is trying to pin things on people's lives. You know, if we could see ourselves in the spirit, I think we would see that there are many uh, appendages, many things that the enemy has tried to pin on, on various parts of us, of our lives to try and, and to, to bring a spirit of heaviness, a spirit of hopelessness, you know, a spirit of failure or, or whatever, fear, terror, dread, dreading something, uh, you know, that's far away. I often think of, uh, you know, and as, as I think I said it there a few weeks ago, uh, long ago when, when Jerry Ryan used to be on the radio, I used to listen to him uh, long, long, long few years ago, and you'd often hear, like, come August, September, women ringing up saying, I have to ask your, your listeners' advice because, like, my mother-in-law or my, or my sister-in-laws or my, my in-laws are coming for Christmas, and he's gone. It's August. What's wrong with you? And they're saying, I'm dreading it. I don't know how I'm going to cope. They rang the other day and they said they're coming. And, and like that stuck with me because, you know, that's how the enemy operates. He gets you to see something far ahead and say, I don't know how I, how, how I am going to cope with that. And then worry and stress and all kinds of turmoil come on. These are afflictions. These are demonic assignments that the enemy tries to bring. And he tries to attach them to you. So that you actually say, oh, oh, that's my badge, and, and that's my badge, and this is my badge. And, and, and then we walk around with them. And, and what the Lord wants us to do, he came to set the captives free. And so we need to rip off a few things and maybe even change our clothes, you know, that we've been wearing. Clothes of inferiority or heaviness or, or depression or, 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 you know, uh, dread, whatever it is. Uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but... But, say but, but, the Lord delivers us from them all. Amen? Amen. And I don't know how this links up now, but in Isaiah 49, let's just go there and trust the Lord with this. Pray, Lord, that you would only say what is on your heart today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Um, in Isaiah 49... Isaiah's writing here about, you know, this, I, I guess it is this hopelessness. In verse 14, but Zion, and you see Zion is uh, the one new man. It's, it's the nation of Israel and the Gentiles who are grafted in together under the headship of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But Zion said, the Lord has abandoned me and my Lord has forgotten me. And the Lord answered, can a woman forget her nursing child or can a mother forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb even these may forget and you know there are instances where you know a mother may you know just not be in a position to, to be a mother to a child but the lord said even they might forget but i will not forget you indeed i have inscribed a picture of you on the palms of my hands. You know, God has got uh, 
he's got a remembrance of each one of us, his children, right before his eyes. On the palms of his hands, he's inscribed our names. He's inscribed, actually, it says here, a picture of you. And your, your city walls are continually before me. And for many people, our walls get broken down in various places at different times. You know, maybe there's been a tragedy and, and, and it just breaks down a wall in that particular area. Maybe it's, it's sickness or, or, or some kind of an issue or a problem. Maybe it's something that you've been carrying since childhood and, and, and the walls are broken down there. And you know, the Lord promises in Zechariah, in Zechariah chapter 2, for I, declares the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her, protecting her from her enemies, and I will be the glory in her midst. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, uh, where are walls, where are boundaries? Personal boundaries can often have been broken down, perhaps through some kind of a betrayal or a wounding, where somebody maybe has, has you know, turned on you or betrayed you or hurted you. But you see, the thing is, is that it's so important for us to understand that we need to bring these things to the Lord. Like we were saying last week, pour out our hearts to him and, and, and trust him that even though there may be afflictions that we're going through, that God will bring us out the other side and he will bring us out victorious. And, and you know that, that you are very important. Say this with me. I am a VIP. I am a VIP. No, you have to say it like you mean it. I am a VIP. You are a very important person to God. To God, don't forget. To God, your Father, you are a very important person. And he has a plan for you. He has put you here on this earth to accomplish something for him. He has plans to work out for your life. He has a path for you to travel on and for you to go on. And so many people, because of all these bandages or appendages or, or you know, things that the enemy has put on them, they're in a state of a swirl of confusion and they don't know, you know, and they can't hear anything because all they can hear is the condemnation. Uh, you know, all they can hear is, is, is the lies of the enemy. This is never going to work out. You're never going to get over this. You're never going to be able to overcome it. You're not good enough, you know. And, and these things are holding people back from carrying out the plans that God wants to bless you with. And, and this is what I felt today is that the Lord wants us to start blessing ourselves and to start blessing our children, start blessing uh, those people in our lives that we have the power to bless. Mm-hmm. And um, you can read the rest of Isaiah 49 yourself, but just to verse 25, it says, or no, maybe 23, um, the, the latter half of 23 there, uh, Isaiah 49, 23. And you shall know with an understanding based on a personal experience that I am the Lord. For they shall not be put to shame who wait and hope expectantly for me. So will you say that with me? Father God, God, I shall know know with an understanding understanding, based on a personal experience experience, my personal relationship relationship with you you, that you are the Lord Lord, and I will never be put to shame because I wait wait and hope expectantly expectantly for you. you. Amen. Amen. And and then he goes on to say, you know, uh, talking about what looks like a war scene here, but, you know, we are under uh, demonic warfare. 
there's all kinds of things going on in the atmosphere. And we are, you know, the, the Bible tells us you're living in this world, but you are not of this world. You are ambassadors from the kingdom of heaven. But we have to live. And you know, I, I've often heard it, and I think it's either Dutch Sheets or Bill Johnson who has said, and I think it's a wonderful thing to say. You know, it's on this side of the grave, it's on this earth is the only place that we actually get to offer God the sacrifices of praise in the midst of turmoil and, and difficult situations. Because, uh, you know, when you're very, very, very old and you, you pass away, okay, uh, like 120 years are the years of man, so don't get me wrong here. But when we do go to be with the Lord eventually, uh, you know, there is no fear in heaven. There is no sickness in heaven. There is no turmoil. There is no enemies. There is no hatred. Because God is holy. And uh, we have been made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what righteousness is. And he wants us to live that way here on this earth, even in the midst of persecution and enemies. And so here he's saying uh, in 24, can the spoils of war be taken from the mighty men or the captives of a tyrant be rescued? Jesus is always interested in the captives. That's why he came, to set the captives free. And it needs, it's, it's my one, you know, I... I <laughs> have a lot of faults and a lot of uh, whatever, but my one focus in life is to carry out the purposes of Jesus Christ, which is to set the captives free. And, and he has given us the keys and the understanding. And it is a matter that we have to go out on the battlefield and take up our positions, uh, you know, and, and engage in spiritual warfare. And this is where the afflictions and the persecutions and the attacks come from. Because when you make a decision to stand on God's word and to stand up for truth and integrity and righteousness, watch out because you know you're and, and and this is why people can turn around and say the ones who are wicked the ones who hate God or who are saying all these things or doing all these bad things do they ever get you know do they ever get caught but listen there will be one day judgment for them and and we have to really cry out and intercede to God that they will repent you know, all these people who think they're way beyond uh, the law and that they can do whatever they want. We need to cry out to God for, for mercy for them because they don't realize what they're facing. Jesus said it from the cross. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Don't hold it against them, Lord. He cried out for mercy with his last breath. And uh, so, but we are in warfare. And we need to wise up to it and realize that because we have, uh, because we have been given Jesus' righteousness, we have also been given his authority to use on this earth. And this is what the Lord says in verse 25. Even the captives of the mighty will be taken away and the tyrant's spoils of war will be rescued. For I will contend with him who contends with you. I will contend with your opponents, another version says. I will contend with your enemies. And our enemies are not flesh and blood. Okay, there may be people who are, you know, who think they're your enemy and who think that you're their enemy, but they're deceived. They don't know what they're doing. Our enemies are the spirits, the demonic uh, spirits that are operating through those people and that are using them to hurt you. 
and they don't understand that they have opened themselves up to some kind of 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 uh, you know attack but anyway i will contend with him who contends with you i will contend with your opponents and this promise i will save your children god will save your children your children your physical biological children your your grandchildren your great grandchildren children but also your children you know um we all have spiritual children uh, even in your workplace there's people who you're who you're working with and who you you know who who uh, come to you for help or or who you minister to maybe you're ministering the word of god to them maybe some friends or whatever they're your spiritual children and god will save them and he will bring them to salvation and so we are to bless uh this is the way we operate in spiritual warfare is to love them and to bless them and if you turn quickly to Romans chapter 12 got a few scriptures to look at here in Romans chapter 12 and verse 14 ah oh, not this again oh i thought it be something nice today that she say <laughs> what Oh, Romans 12:14. Bless those who persecute you. Is that what it says or does it say bless those who only love you? Mm-hmm. Just bless all the ones you like. No, it says bless those who persecute you, who cause you harm and hardship. Bless and do not curse them. That's quite clear. Bless and do not curse them. In um uh, you know, we have we have this privilege of having the word of god inside of us and being able to speak it out of our mouths upon those people who are in our sphere of influence in our circle there are people who's who are in your circle that will never step inside the door of a church they'll never open a bible and you're the only person who will ever get a chance to minister the word of god to them and you know how you behave how you treat them how you love them how you minister the truth to them uh will be the pivoting uh, turning point in the in those people's lives uh we have an opportunity to bless our husbands our wives our children bless our food all of these things we we have a chance to bless our work before we go in in the morning and so many people forget to do it uh, you know myself included uh, straight in the door to work and keep actually saying this is some day everything like ah oh. and then suddenly you say ah oh, i never prayed today <laughs> you know oh lord i ask you to forgive me father you said all the work of my hands would be blessed mm-hmm. i ask you to bless my work today i ask you to bless my employees i ask you to bless my co-workers <coughs> i ask you to bless those people who were supposed to be here 3 hours ago with that delivery and they're nowhere to be found oh god would you send angels to help them today i ask you to forgive me for you know and it's it's in all these little small things you know uh, and jesus said when we're faithful in the small things he will bring you into the big things mm. and and this is something to watch the small things you know when that uh, wife or husband is just driving you off your you know up the wall or when that child you just say you know we have to watch what's coming out of our mouths because proverbs 18:21 and we all know it will we say it just for the fun <laughs> death and life are in the power of my tongue 
And I will eat the fruit of it. You will eat the fruit of it. You know, we are eating the fruit of it. We're eating the fruit of our words that we spoke 40 years ago over ourselves. And we need to make sure that we ask the Lord to forgive us for those negative, stupid, ignorant words that we spoke back then. Uh, he said, you know, you will give an account for every idle word you speak. That's why it's so important to live a lifestyle of repentance. Because, you know, there's something that will come up every day. Oh, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I remember now when I was young, I used to say, uh, gee, I hate my job or my job will always be this or whatever, you know. And, and we forget these little small issues that we have cursed ourselves with our own mouths or cursed our family members, uh, you know. And, and we need to break the power of those words, repent of them, and then say, Lord, I choose instead to bless them. I will bless and I will not curse. We've just read that. Bless and do not curse. Say it with me. Bless, bless and do not, curse. do not curse. Okay, now let's personalize it. I will bless, I will bless and I will not, I will not curse. curse. Lord, Lord create, in me create in me a clean heart. A clean heart. For, out For out of the abundance of my heart, of my, heart my, mouth my mouth speaks. So you see, there's no point in me saying, oh, my stupid mouth. Because my mouth is only speaking what's in my heart. So we need to get to the heart of the matter. And the Lord said, we read it last week, I think, in, in Proverbs chapter 4. You know, keep your heart with all diligence. Do you want to read it again? Just go back there. Proverbs chapter 4. This is a key scripture um, that we need to understand. Proverbs 4, verse 20, down to, to, you know, to the end there, but definitely down to, to 26. Um, 27 is so important my son pay attention to my words and be willing to learn open your ears to my sayings do not let them escape from your sight keep them in the center of your heart so what do we have to keep in the center of our heart his word we have to keep his word in the center of our heart for they are life to those who find them and health and healing to all their flesh there's so many people that are enduring sicknesses and they don't even realize so much of it has, has you know, been rooted in wounds and scars and, and traumas that have happened to them where their hearts have been scarred. And, you know, our heart has the ability to actually bring life to all of our flesh, all of your flesh, <coughs> health and healing to all of your flesh. Watch over your heart with all diligence for out of it, Flow the springs or the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious lips far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Consider well and watch carefully the path of your feet and all your ways will be steadfast and sure. Sure, what a promise. That all of our way will be steadfast and sure if we watch where our feet are going. Because so often the enemy tempts us and we run straight down his path, down the path of evil, instead of, of following what the Lord, you know, maybe we're getting impatient. Maybe we're saying, oh, I'm sick of the whole atom, they can all go to hell. Do you know what? I, you know, and we, we run out of patience, we get frustrated, we get angry and offended and stressed out. And, and oh, the enemy says, doors open, come on. You know, uh, so keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. Um, 
you get to, to, to bless your food, as I said earlier. Actually, let's have a look at Mark chapter 8. This is what Jesus did. And it's something that I, I was listening to um, a teaching by Harold Dewberry. Um, he's a man who, who's gone home to be with the Lord now. Um, he, he came here and he was like in his 80s practically the last time he was here. I think he was 79 or 80. Um, and what a man of God. You know, he just... Oh, he's just got such insight. So if you ever have an hour spare and you go on YouTube, Harold Dewberry, D-E-W-B-E-R-R-Y. But um, anyway, uh, I just heard him teaching. And, and during the week, I, Brendan had a scripture last, last Thursday night week on Zoom, and it was sanctify them. Uh, and I was thinking about it all week, that word. Well, I don't know if that's exactly the the scripture you had, but it was in that portion you read. Sanctify them with your truth. Um, that's in John. And here in, in Mark uh, chapter 8, verse 7. Well, um, there was all these people following Jesus. They were all on the hillside. And um, Jesus said to his disciples, um, listen, I have compassion for this crowd. They've been with me now for three days and they've nothing left to eat. If I send them away to their homes hungry, they'll faint from exhaustion on the road because some of them have come a long way. And his disciples replied to him, where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this isolated place to feed them? And he asked them, how many loaves of bread do you have? They said seven. So he directed the people to sit down on the ground and taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them and repeatedly gave them to his disciples to set before them and they served the crowd. They also had a, a few small fish and when Jesus had blessed them and given thanks, he ordered these fish to be set before them as well. And the people ate and were satisfied. And they picked up seven large baskets full of the broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were there besides women and children. And then he sent them away. He fed them first. You know, Jesus always looked after people's uh, provision for every area. And we need to do the same as the church. But um, you see what he did there? Uh, he had a meager, a meager amount of food. And he had thousands of people. And what he did was he blessed the food. And he thanked God for it. And then he started handing it out. And that blessing supernaturally multiplied that food that fed all those people. And I've heard many, many testimonies of people who have been in, in you know, difficult situations, maybe ministering out in you know, Africa or uh, different, I think Haiti was another one I heard of, and uh, where there was just genuinely no provision. Another was in China uh, with, in, in a church that was underground and uh, they were meeting underground and they were kind of being starved by the, the, um, the government, whatever, federal government um, police guys and uh, and food supernaturally uh, they, they got food supernaturally from God uh, other people who were, were trying to feed hundreds and hundreds of people and they'd like just one bowl and they just kept and it kept coming kept coming mm. 
you know and and so god you know there's nothing impossible to him and see we think of this with our small minds seven roads are uh, come on you don't actually believe that now do you like you know and who's that talking that's the devil and you see as we allow those you know he, as i said earlier the devil is a liar and the way he lies is he speaks into people's heads and he tries to rob them of their faith and when your faith is robbed you have nothing to exchange as a currency with god because he looks for our faith and it's our faith that brings to pass those things that are not as though they should be you know you, we we looked at it there a couple of weeks ago with abraham uh, abraham looked at his body it was as good as dead he was nearly 100 years old and sarah was 90 and yet they had a baby and he was isaac and he was you know and that is the truth and uh, it said that Abraham uh, decided to believe God, that God could do what he had promised. And so all reason for hope being gone, he hoped in faith. And he knew that God was the one who gives life to the dead things and who calls those things that are not as though they should be, mm -hmm. as though they are. And so, uh, you know, you have a, an opportunity. We have an opportunity every day of our lives to breathe the life force of God into even dead situations, dead, hopeless, uh, you know, circumstances or problems or, or, or whatever. You know, that's what one of the ministries that Jesus said. He said, go out and raise the dead. That's not just the physically dead, but it's whatever circumstance or situation, you know, there's no hope for. Go, uh, just like we said last week in, in uh, Ezekiel 37, you need to read that and study it and start filling yourself with the word of God so that your faith is strong and that your spirit man is strengthened because we do face these situations that are hopeless and who knows that tomorrow, you know, we go to the ATMs and nothing comes out. What's going to happen then? Oh, anyway, praise the Lord. So we can bless our food. And uh, the thing is there is that when Jesus blessed that food, it's also in Luke chapter 9. When he blessed the food, there was a supernatural occurrence. The food was suddenly consecrated and made holy. And that's how it was able to, to multiply. And it's just something that I feel that, you know, there may be a situation in your life. It may be a person, it may be a relationship or whatever, whatever the, the thing is. Everybody has stuff going on. It's to actually sanctify it. Ask the Lord. Lord, will you sanctify that situation? Will you, I pray your blessing on that situation. Maybe it's somebody who's not talking to you or, or whatever. Father, I pray that you would sanctify them that you would sanctify their hearts and that you would sanctify that whole thing and redeem it, redeem good from it, Lord. And maybe it's a, um, an animal that's sick or, or maybe a person in your family that's sick. Father, I just cover them with the blood of Jesus right now. And I ask you, would you sanctify and, and bless that one in Jesus' name? I thank you uh, for, for breakthrough and for healing and for turnaround in that situation. This is what Jesus did here. And, and look what happened. It, miracles uh, followed it. The sanctification. Um, Luke 9 verse 12. <laughs> I like the way Luke says it. Um, it. It looks like it's a different, um, a different encounter. Because Luke, uh, 
says it kind of differently, so I don't know. Is it the same one they're talking about, or, or do they just have different numbers? But um, the disciples came to him this time. They came to Jesus, and they said, send the crowd away so that they can go into the villages. You're, you know, this is going on. This meeting's going on way too long. Look at all these thousands of people here. Where are they going to go for food? And uh, I love what Jesus says to them. You feed them. <laughs> Uh, did we miss something? Did we miss a new little after being built somewhere here? Uh, they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless, unless perhaps we go and buy food for all these people. For there was about 5,000 men. And he says to his disciples, have them sit down to eat in groups of 50 each. Notice what he said, have them sit down to eat. And he brought order to the situation because as you can imagine, when there's thousands of people, they're all standing around the place. And if you mentioned that you had food, there would be a stampede. So Jesus, you know, and, and that's the, the Holy Spirit view. He always brings order. And, and that's how we know when the Spirit of God is moving because there's order and there's peace. And that's how we also know when the enemy is moving because there's like chaos and a swirl. And so if there's situations going on where you find that's happening, that there's kind of a, a bit of chaos and, and I don't know, I don't know what to do. What you need to do there is you need to get out of that room and step outside and say, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to bring order into this place right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and, and help us here in Jesus' name. And I bind all confusion and I command the enemy to leave in Jesus' name. You know? But anyway, so that's what Jesus did. He brought order. They sat down and he took five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven and gave thanks and blessed them and broke them and kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd. They all ate. They were completely satisfied. And the broken pieces they had that they had left over were abundant, uh, 12 baskets full. So there was actually, and that's the thing with the Lord, is that he will provide for you and there'll always be more than enough left to give and to help others and to minister to others. It's amazing there was 12 baskets full and there was 12 disciples and they were the ones who said to him, send them away. They probably all met, you know, in some kind of a rugby scrum and said, listen, lads, now, we've got to get, we have to go together as one to tell him, send them away. This is crazy. And yet, at the end then, is it, maybe it's just a, a bit of fun by the Lord to have 12 baskets say, now, lads, you can eat as well. <laughs> um, so we have the chance to bless our food, bless our work. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says that the Lord will bless all the work of your hands. This is why it's so important for us when we're going out doing something or doing some work. Father, you know, even at home in the house, Lord, I ask you today to help me. And I pray you would bless the work of my hands, that you would help me to be productive today, that I would get things done quickly without any uh, stress or consternation in Jesus' name. So when we bless something, we consecrate it. When we've taken that time to bring the Lord into it, what you've done is consecrated and set it apart. And that's where his miracle working power can come into force. And so, you know, if there is some situation going on or some, maybe something in your body or something in your, in your business or whatever, bring it to the Lord and ask him. To, Father, I ask you to consecrate, I, I consecrate this situation to you and I ask you to sanctify it. And that scripture is in John chapter 17. It's, it's what Jesus prayed for us, the church. Um, I'm just 
in John 17, 17. He said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And then he went on to say in 19, or 18, sorry, just as you commissioned and sent me into the world, I have also commissioned and sent them, the believers, into the world. For their sake, I sanctify myself to do your will, so that they may also be sanctified and set apart, dedicated and made holy in your truth. And he was went on to say then, I'm not just praying for these alone, the ones that are here now with him, the, the disciples, but also for all of those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message. He is praying for us there as well. And um, I just wrote down something that, that actually, um, I, when we give thanks to God, and when we ask him to sanctify, uh, you know, a situation, it's then that God can change that situation. So what we're doing is we're bringing it to him for him to bring transformation. Amen. And that's what Jesus did with us Jesus. there. He brought us even before we were born. This is a long time ago. He spoke out these words and he prayed for you and for me right there when he was praying for his friends. And he said, I'm not just praying for these ones. I'm praying for all of them, that you would sanctify them with your word. And so uh, when we do what he did, when we bless and when we uh, give thanks to God, we are bringing something where God can then change it. Everything that's unholy and unclean can be sanctified by thanksgiving and prayer. We set it apart. We, we dedicate it to the Lord. We bless it. And he can bring transformation. In Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I praise you, Lord. Let's pray. Let's break bread and we'll pray. How about that? Psalm 1. And uh, we might read it out together. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the path of the ungodly shall perish. The way of the ungodly shall perish. Yeah, praise God. So for the promise there is, is that when we delight in the Lord, when we meditate in his word, which means, you know, we think about his word, we ponder on it. Um, it doesn't mean you have to be reading your Bible for 10 hours a day or anything like that. But, you know, perhaps that you read uh, some scripture uh, and, and you start to think about it and think what it must have been like then. Think about it in the context of the, of the time like that, you know, with Jesus. Like, think about it. All these people followed him out into the wilderness. He couldn't preach in the towns because the, the, the Pharisees and the leaders were out to kill him. 
So he used to, he would just go off to go pray by himself and they would all follow him. And uh, think about it, you know, all these people standing there at the side of the mountain, listening to the king of all kings, to the son of God, preaching the word of God to them and teaching them, you know, and, and, and them being transformed in his presence, them not wanting to go away, all of these people being healed. And so when we meditate on his word and, and just remember it, you see, when we, when we do study his word, what happens is it's like a seed and it goes down inside of us. And you might think, gosh, I can never remember any scripture, but it's inside in your spirit and it's been planted like a seed. Mm -hmm. And I see, you know, the kids are all uh, doing the sunflower seeds these last few weeks and, and sowing the little seed. And then you see the plant and it's, it's coming up and, and they're getting much bigger and much stronger now. And uh, that's how the word of God operates in our lives. And we are strengthened and changed and transformed from the inside out. Remember, God does not look at the outward appearance. We try and look our very best from the outside so that nobody actually knows what we're really like inside. And God looks the other way. He looks at us from the inside and he knows exactly what we're like inside. And he still loves us. And he is ministering uh, to us through the blood of his son Jesus to transform our lives and so that that's why when you see somebody who has met the Lord and who 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 really operates in the love of God and in the joy of the Lord you see it in their face their faces it says it actually in, in that first psalm we read psalm 34 their faces are radiant mm -hmm. and not ashamed and there is a difference there is a light uh, in people and and, that, and that's in you and you can't see it, <laughs> but other people see it, and they're watching you. They see you, and, and they're observing you. And that's why we have to, you know, make sure that we, that we live our lives as a witness. There's, there's many people that are, are, are around, and they're, they're trying to witness about God, but they're, they're doing it out of, of condemnation and, and out of judgment. And Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world. I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Uh, he came to give everything. Uh, he that he had his his life he laid it down so that we could be saved and so that we could be spared from the judgment and given the gift of eternal life but while we're on this earth to live as overcomers and as victorious children of God Amen. who stretch out their hands to others who are caught in that same situation to pull them out Amen. of those circumstances they're in. Amen. And that is what our commission is. We read it there a moment ago. He has commissioned us. People who go into the army, officers in the army are given a commission. You know, that's a high calling in the army. It's not only any old, you know, uh, come in from the bottom you earn a commission and and you know there there is a there are a benefits to it but there are also responsibilities and our responsibility is to operate in the in the authority that we've been given and just one more thing which i forgot i knew there was something uh, in acts chapter 19 you'll enjoy this anyway <laughs> don't worry i could hear you going inwardly oh Uh, Acts 19. I have three Bibles open and I don't know which one I marked this in now, but anyway, hopefully I'll find it. Because uh, one has big print, but the other has the, the, the King, New King James, which is easier when we're reading along together. 
Um, yeah, it's the same. Um, Paul, Paul was being used by God here uh, that because he was a tent maker and uh, so, you know, I guess the heat and everything, so they'd have like handkerchiefs wrapped around their heads, I suppose, to keep the sun off themselves. And uh, people used to take the handkerchiefs that used to be on Paul's head and bring it to sick people and the sick people would be healed. And so there was mighty miracles being done, it says in 11, at the hands of Paul. Even the handkerchiefs or face towels or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Now, it's not a formula like, you know, uh, some people do it and, and that's fine, but it, it, it was just that Paul's life was so consecrated to God. And, and it's no different for you, but the Lord might have you minister in a different way. You know, some people make a religion out of things, you know, and, and that's, not, that's not what it says here. But anyway, then some of the traveling Jewish exorcists also attempted to call in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see, they saw what Paul was doing, so they decided they'd try it. And um, they decided they'd try it over those who had evil spirits. And they said, I implore, I implore you and solemnly command you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of one named Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. But the evil spirit retorted, the, the, the man who had this demonic spirit inside of him, the spirit spoke back. And, and you'll often see that, you know. Um, anyway, that's, that's another day. Um, I know and recognize and acknowledge Jesus, and I know Paul. But as for you, who are you? Then the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped upon them and subdued all of them. He, one man beat up seven young guys and overpowered them so that they ran out of that house in terror, stripped naked and wounded. This became known to all those who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified and exalted. And many of them who had become believers were coming, confessing and disclosing their former sinful practices. And many of them who had practiced magical arts collected their books and throwing them uh, upon the pile began burning them in front of everyone. Uh, and they calculated this to be like about 50,000 pieces of silver, which I think is like... Um, each piece of silver was about a day's wage. So 50,000 days wages was quite a val valuable collection of, of, of um, books and, and stuff that they threw into the fire. So the word of the Lord concerning eternal salvation through faith in Christ was growing greatly and prevailing. Mm -hmm. And you see, the reason these seven sons of Sceva could not cast out that spirit was that they were not saved they did not know Jesus. And, you know, whatever situation or whoever you're dealing with, uh, the first thing I suggest you do is get them saved. Because people cannot understand or take in the things of God unless they have asked Jesus to come into their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's such a simple thing to do, to minister the love of God to someone. We have uh, ministry tools there, you know, different psalms and prayers, and they all have the prayer of salvation there as well. Basically, what to get saved means is that somebody yields their life to Jesus, mm -hmm. repents of their sin, and acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, 
that he died for our sins, uh, that God raised him from the dead so that we could be acquitted. And, um, you know, also, so th that's what it means to be saved. It says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's also forgiveness and, and, and you know, you can go into that with people. But the thing is, is these guys here, they went and they said, they spoke to this demon spirit and they implored, you know, they were quite polite about it. Oh, oh, please come out. And, and the spirit spoke back to them and said, I know Jesus and I, and I, sir, and I, and I honor him. It says there, I know and recognize and acknowledge Jesus. And I know Paul because he's belonged to Jesus, but who are you? And, and you see, this is going back maybe to our first scripture in Psalm 34. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You can be sure your name is not just written in God's uh, palm of his hand. It's not just inscribed there, but your name is up in a clipboard by the enemy. Yeah, watch her, watch him. Because he, the one thing he does not want people who have called upon Jesus to do is to understand and know their authority and to start operating in that because he knows he's finished then and he has to leave. Amen. The demons have to leave. And, and there's not something to be frightened of because a lot of people get very, you know, as I said, Hollywood has done so much damage with this. And it, it, it's Jesus cast out the spirits with the word. And, and those demon spirits were not, you know, some kind of zombie type thing. They, they were spirits of fear, spirits of infirmity, of sickness. Uh, you know, simple little things that really tie up and bind a, a life and hold people captive for life. And Jesus has given us the authority to cast out those things and to walk in our authority, not just in our, our own lives, but in, in the circle of those that we have influence over, where we can bring good news to them and, and minister to them. Okay? So that's what we're going to do now by breaking bread, is acknowledge Amen. that. Amen? Thank you for your patience. Hallelujah. Let's take the bread. So this bread was once a piece of full, uh, whole uh, cracker or biscuit or whatever, piece of chocolate, bread, doesn't matter. It's a symbol, a symbol of the body of Jesus that was broken for us at the cross. Mm -hmm. And when we take the bread and when we take the cup, what we're doing is we are uh, acknowledging Jesus, acknowledging that there is no way I could ever save myself, that some uh, thing had to be done in order to pay for my sins. Because you see, as I said earlier, God cannot, uh, you know, there is no sin in heaven. There is no uh, unholiness uh, or, or, or sin uh, where God is. And so the sin had to be dealt with. And that's why Jesus died. He died to deal with the sin. He died to deal with the sickness and, and everything that the enemy was able to hold people captive with for all of their lives. And so when we take the bread and the cup, that's what we're doing. We're celebrating what he did. Amen. We're not eating Jesus. We're not drinking his blood because cannibalism is prohibited in the Bible. Amen. And so uh, it, these are merely symbols. In the same way, on Valentine's Day, we send and we buy cards with a heart on it because it symbolizes love, that I love you. It, you know, and, and uh, that's what these things are. They're symbols of what Jesus did. Amen. So we'll take the bread. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, come to you, I come to you and I thank you, and I thank you 
that I am thriving, I am thriving. like a tree, like a tree. Planted, planted by streams of, by living, streams water. of living water, and I am bringing forth fruit, and I, bringing forth fruit. And I thank you, and I thank you for, teaching me for teaching me how to bless, how to bless and, not curse. and not curse. Jesus, Jesus you, paid the price you paid the price so that I could be set free, so I could be set free from, every curse from every curse that the enemy, that the enemy would attack me with. Attack me with. Lord, Jesus, Lord Jesus, I take this bread, take this bread as, a as a symbol of your body, your body that, you that you allowed to be broken, to be broken so, that so that I could be healed and made whole, and made whole in my body, in my soul, and in my spirit. I declare, I declare that, Jesus, that Jesus, you are the Son of God, you are the, Son of God. You are the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. and you lay down, down your life so that I could be saved, so could be saved. Healed, healed, restored, restored and, made whole. and made whole. I celebrate, I celebrate your, body today. your body today. Amen. Amen. And we take the cup, and the cup again is a symbol, it's a drink, and it's a symbol of his blood that was shed for us. So we say this, Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus, your son, to die in my place, to pay for my sins, so that I could be forgiven and restored to you as your child, as if I had never sinned. Lord Jesus, I take this cup today to honor you and to celebrate your death and your resurrection until you come again. I believe you are the Son of God. And I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. And just to finish that, now that you've had a hit of sugar there or a drop of water, We'll just say this together. Father God, you have taught me that death and life are in the power of my tongue. And I choose today to release my tongue to bless those in my circle. My, you can call it out my husband or my wife and my children my brothers, my sisters, my family members, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my neighbors, my friends, my work colleagues, past and present. Lord, I, I, I pray for them all in the name of Jesus, all of my future descendants as well. We'll just say this, Father God, I choose to bless all of those and all of those yet to be born, my descendants. I bless them. In the name of Jesus, I bless those who are my spiritual children, my friends, those ones I minister to, 
I ask you to bless them, to sanctify them. I bring my enemies to you, those people who consider themselves to be my enemy or who consider me to be their enemy. Father, I ask you to bless them and I ask you, Lord, to sanctify all these situations and all of these people. I ask you, Lord, to bless the work of my hands, my provision, my finances, my bank accounts. Lord, I release my finances to you and I ask you to use me to bring you glory in everything I do. My relationships, my work, my ministry, my friendships. In Jesus' name, sanctify me with your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen.